First of all, I have zero filter on what comes out of my mouth. Second of all, the guy's talking about my mom. What the hell is he doing? You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. This is the Code Violation Podcast. Welcome back. Episode nine of Code Violation. Um, this is unique because now I'm looking at Matt in Canada and I'm looking at like a little pink cartoon version of Phil because he won't put his webcam on. How come your version is pink? Mine is yellow. He's yellow in your version? Yeah. Oh. I'm gray in mine. <laughs> How do we look though? Uh, I'm Dead going to, sexy. I'm going back to a different screen. <laughs> I, I just don't see the benefit of looking at you guys during this. It's distracting. All right. And Corey's intimidating. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm being very intimidating. I even I, I took off my black shirt in favor of this like teal blue shirt. I look at you and it just makes me a little bit afraid to make fun of Nadal. Oh, well, hey, it's open season on Nadal if you want to do that today. I'm, he's I'm, finished. He's finished. I mean, what more is there to say, really? Are we already going off script then? We're going to start by burying Nadal? I mean, you've tried to do it each episode, Phil. <laughs> the, the timing is actually right for this burial today. It's just a coping mechanism because our favorite player can't win three matches in a row. So we're going to bury the guy that's only reaching the semifinals. They're, all the big four are finished except Federer. Yeah, that um, guy... I don't know. Forget him. Is Rafa still the favorite to win the the French Open? Yes. Wow. This this is similar to when um, Felix Auger Aliassim was scheduled to play Zverev, and everyone thought that Felix was going to win, except for me because I understand tennis, and mm. Zverev smoked him. You don't bet against Nadal in the French Open ever, except in 2015. And 2015, Novak is nowhere to be found. So yes, Nadal's a clear favorite. A clear favorite? A clear favorite, yeah. So team's performance today, nothing? No, team's performance today in winning Barcelona? No, nothing. Team got smoked last year by Nadal. He didn't win a set, did he? No, he barely won games, yeah. as I recall. Yeah. And so what's the earliest that team can face Rafa? Uh, it depends on how many points he and Federer pick up between now and Paris. Because right now, Federer is slightly fourth and team is, is almost there. But um, if Zverev continues to suck, then team might go past him. So semis at best, quarters at worst. Okay. Just a, a word of caution. We can't say things like Zverev sucks right now because apparently he's fallen up. He's fallen on pretty hard times. I don't know if you saw that, but he broke up with his girlfriend and his dad is apparently in the hospital. Nothing serious, but... There's a lot going on with him, so he's a... I did not see that at all. Yeah, so so he's a sympathetic figure right now. I, I'm not a fan, and even I hope he wins Munich, his fucking court. But yeah, it, it sounds pretty shitty, what's going on in his life. 
Who was his girlfriend? Do we know? Uh, I don't know, but everyone else does. Oh. Was she... Was she Russian or German? It is possible that he could date neither a Russian nor a German. I thought, though, that she was one of them. Yeah, and, and she really must have been, right? Raunich is dating a Belgian. I know that. Well, Raunich exclusively dates Belgians. It's Raunich. He exclusively dates models. He does. Raunich, with his reputation of Mr. Blue Collar, you know, down-to-earth guy, all he does is date models, and it thinks he understands the economy better than us. What's his deal? Why haven't we seen him? Well, he's not a clay player anyway, um, and it's not, it's not that uncommon for North American players to skip Monte Carlo and then not play Barcelona. So he's, and he was injured because he's always injured. So I think, yeah, I think he left Miami injured or something. But he will, he will most likely show up in Madrid along with the Isners and the Queries and, you know, the, the part-time clay players. So guide us along, Matt, because I don't have any skits. I don't have any audio. I don't have a lot of energy. Um, How was the doubles match? You know, I can't, speaking of injured, I can't really move very well right now. So my matches <laughs> are pretty good as long as my opponents hit me the ball directly and don't try to, to hit it where I'm not. If they start to hit it where I'm not, things go poorly pretty quickly. So that's kind of the state of my game right now. We won in a match tiebreak, though. Ah, I, okay, this is a serious question. As far as I know, Matt Corey has never lost a match tiebreak. That, that might be slight hyperbole, but I don't know. Is it? It, it, doesn't, sound, it doesn't sound like hyperbole. Every match or every set that ends 7-6 for Corey is like a demolition in Corey's favor. He's the Nishikori of the Fort Lauderdale junior circuit. Junior circuit, yeah. But less depressed. No, I lost a bad one um, probably 18 months ago, and since then I've been on a pretty good streak with the tiebreaks. But there are a lot of matches that shouldn't have been in tiebreaks anyway, so there's that too. It's just good that you're crushing the narrative that crippling depression is a requisite to win tiebreaks. It's not. No, I'm I'm a jovial person. You are. You're very happy. Yes. You can hear it in my voice. Well, the, uh, it doesn't quite shine through as much in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> you're, what, you're the the chipper one on the podcast. Wow. The chipper one. No, he's the chipper one on the internet. On the podcast, and especially in person, he becomes a little bit more menacing. I like that. Menacing. Yeah, he's like a he's the size of a tree. He, he stares at tennis matches as though they're, I don't know, his own life rides on them. Uh-huh. A very right. intense person. Okay. That's right. That's all right. I don't know that I felt menaced, but maybe that was just me, apparently. Next time well, you will. Well, you don't, oh. provoke, you don't provoke him like I do. <laughs> so, you know, I, I look at this big tree man and I think, oh, shit, I've said a lot of provocative things to him. That, that day we were waiting in the train station to go to the open... We're, when we were waiting for Matt, I could sense that, that Phil was a, a little nervous that he might get shoved. Like onto the train track? Well, we weren't standing by the train track, but you showed up and, and it lightened the mood, I think. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we were underground. You were there all enormous. I had recently said a lot of bad things about you, about Rafa. 
Yeah, like th- the the day before we got on the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is off topic, but it came up last night when I was talking to some of my friends, uh, Apple Pasta and Michael Walker. Do you guys know Jim Rome, right? Yes. Okay, so, so this is actually kind of topical because it touches upon tennis and gender issues. Oh, this is a great idea by me. So Jim Rome, if you recall, in 1992, had an NFL quarterback on his show whose name was Jim Everett. And apparently for some reason, maybe because he was underperforming or something, Jim Rome took to calling him Chris, Chris Everett. Chrissy. As, as a, yeah, no, I think just Chris, right? I thought he called him Chrissy. Either way, both. He, he was likening him to Chris Everett. Jim Everett went on Rome's show and Rome, and, and they were having a cordial conversation. And then Rome said at one point, no, I, I mean, I mean, Chris Everett. And then, and then Everett got really mad and threatened him. And he said, if you take, if you say that one more time, like we're going to need to take a station break. And Rome was being a little obnoxious twerp. Like he really reminded me of me in this video. Like, it's amazing. And he's like, I bet you won't say that again to my face. And Rome's like, I bet I do Chris. And then Everett just flew over the table, flew over the table and mauled him. It was amazing. Uh, but but we were talking about that last night because one, Walker was saying like, well, Rome provoked him, which is ridiculous because he did, but that's not a good reason to violently assault someone. Hey, good segue to Gimmelstab after this. And and B, it's it's interesting that nobody really seemed to comment at the time or even years later that you know it was ridiculous of either of them to to take this as an insult considering Chris Everett was one of the best tennis players ever. And Jim Everett is some mediocre quarterback that I had never even heard of. A bin so, back. A, yeah, he was a bin back. Um, but yeah, that's a, even in 1992 and even years later, like nobody seemed to address the point that neither one of them should have been thinking of this as insulting. I wonder if Chris Everett knew about this. She probably heard about it after the fact. Yeah, probably. I agree though. Like it's not it's not like being compared to one of the greatest female players in their sport is is that offensive. Like if someone were to tease you by calling you a female name like especially when they're they're that accomplished. Like why why would that be so triggering for him? It's called masculinity. Oh. A certain type of masculinity? Uh, well, or is toxicity of, just implied in masculinity? No, not really. I mean, I mean, I suppose that's not everything is toxic masculinity. This is just more. Uh, I'd say this is more. Well, the the jumping across the table and trying to beat up a guy while you're talking to him on the radio or whatever—that's probably toxic masculinity. But the the whole insecurity, like the idea that you'd be called a woman's name and that would. I don't know, that would be the worst insult ever. That That's kind of just a general, a closed-off, very narrow idea of what it means to be masculine. It, it's childish. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's something that I would, it's something that I did do as a child. I would say it, it's like that famous scene from The Sandlot where, you know, they were insulting each other and, um, you know, everything was everything was fine. It was just banter until one of the players said you play ball like a girl mm. and all and all hell broke loose and they challenged each other to 
baseball equivalent of a duel. But, and, and, you know, like it was a good scene because that's what kids do. Kids think that's the only, that's the ultimate insult. And then they become adults and they don't think that way anymore. But it's, it's probably more pervasive in athletic culture. The bunch, I mean, Jim Everett clearly looked like a dumb meathead. You're just lucky he's not on this show. I'd call him Chris, and I'd tell him he should thank me and explain why. That's, what, that's where Rome failed. He didn't explain why Jim shouldn't have been offended. I would articulate that, and he would thank me. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, that might go another way. <laughs> this was 1992 as well. Um, and just like, okay, did I say this on, on the show before? I don't know if I did or not. Um, you know, when I was doing my uh, off-season thing of watching the, the 2009 ATP season? Oh, God, oh, God, yeah. How could we Man, forget? you guys were disgusted by it. It was anyway, 2008. Well, whatever, it was one of those years. And Jason Goodall, ESPN, now he's an ESPN commentator, but he was like the ATP commentator. And he was giving the measurements for, for Brooklyn Decker while Roddick was playing. I think this was before 2008, but it wasn't like, it wasn't that long ago. And he just, if he did that now, he wouldn't be working for ESPN anymore. Right. So that, and that was in the 2000s, like some, whenever Roddick started dating Decker. Um, Right. I'm currently watching the Mets, which is why I'm sort of half paying attention to this. But it it was only a few years ago where Keith Hernandez um, got in big trouble for saying that. So so the Mets were playing the Padres and the Padres had hired a I, I forget what kind of coach. There's a million bench coaches in baseball, but they had hired a woman as one kind of bench coach. I think it was the first female hire. And and Keith, I, I don't know, even at his age, how he could have thought this was a good idea, but he he said he doesn't approve of it. And he literally said, I'm not saying they belong in the kitchen, but they don't belong in the dugout. Oof. Yeah. And he had to apologize, but like he wasn't fired. He wasn't canceled. And that was, I'd say, you know, five years ago, surely less than 10. So someone says that now, I, I would think they're they're done, right? I mean, that's a ridiculous statement. He said, I don't, I'm not saying they belong in the kitchen, but they don't belong in the dugout. Uh, I mean, it's a funny time to ask that question because it, if you can't immediately lose your job for beating the crap out of somebody, then you probably won't lose your job for making a, a overt sexist statement on the air. Oh, it, was that a segue? That was a segue. Okay. So, so how do we approach this? All right. Well, everybody that's listening to this knows what the gimbal stub thing is. There's no need to actually recap it, but there's sort of, there's two kind of main points to it. The one is the, the well, what Corey just said, should we be surprised that they're still sort of deliberating both Tennis Channel and the, the ATP board, or players, can, I don't even know. Um, they're both sort of deliberating on whether or not to retain this guy. And then the other aspect is we have three people now actively sort of campaigning to take his spot on the board of governors 
or board of directors or whatever it is. But we don't even know if he's being booted off yet. So we can sort of talk about why that, why that hasn't happened yet, even though we don't know. We can speculate. Uh, and then we can talk about these candidates, because one of them is Brad Gilbert. Yes. Can I start? Because I don't have a, yes. lot, of, a lot to say on this. I think it should have happened already. He should have been canned. And the only thing I can think of is maybe Tennis Channel was dragging their feet to see if it would blow over. But, I mean, there's no other explanation I can think of to why he hasn't been, been fired yet. I don't understand. Phil? I was just thinking of Corey's tweet. It was a pretty well-received tweet. So when we uh, put out the podcast, make sure you link to Corey's good tweet taking Tennis Channel to account. This is very strange to me. I mean, I, I generally think that measured and cautious responses are appropriate always, but I, I don't see what's what's ambiguous here. It's, it's, it sounds like there's only one right answer and only Andy Murray can be relied upon to just come out and say it, that how can someone who's obviously a very violent psychopathic criminal continue to serve on the board of the ATP. Is that what Murray um, said? Called him a violent psychopathic criminal? Oh, no, no. I, I, I didn't. I, that, that would have been cool. I, I didn't read what Murray said. I, I only saw the, I only saw the taglines and, you know, mm. it was enough. It is interesting that I, J, Jamie Murray's on the council, right? Yeah. So, so I assume, or I think it's safe to assume that he's a vote. He's at least one vote in the right direction. So that's good. Otherwise, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, this whole thing is, is kind of creepy. Like, like when things happen in the NFL or, or baseball or, or whatever, like if you go to MLB.com or NFL.com, there'll be news stories about, I mean, tennis.com doesn't even talk about this. There's a conflict of interest. Yeah. But if the ATP doesn't talk about it either, right? Like, a, has there been, I haven't looked no, nothing Good on homework the, by me. But no, nothing on the ATP site. But the ATP isn't a media organization. But they still have stories. Like it's the same as as any other. Well, whatever they are, they're not a league. They're an association. So yeah, and and they're a website that reports news. Yes, I actually now now I'm trying to think about if and when they even report news about players that get into trouble. They probably don't. They pro- they probably don't, or t- or try to avoid it. I would think they would avoid it. Yeah, they definitely talk about on-court incidents. So, like, if Fabio Fognini, you know, did what he did and called the umpire something, like, they report on that, because I think there's sort of an obligation. Like, it happened on the court, the ATP is fining him. But but when they get in trouble or do controversial things off the court, I it seems like they try not to touch that. The whole thing is the, the, the crazy sort of conflict of interest that obviously the ATP, which is the Players Association, but they also run tournaments, so there's like two things at once. But obviously they're not being the Players Association going to dump on their players. But because there's no separate, like MLB, right, is not the Players Association. They're two separate entities. Whereas in tennis, the organization that runs the tournament, and this is the same for the WTA, it's just they run different tournaments. But yeah, so the, the organizations that run the tournaments are also representing the players, which is where the whole conflict comes in. This is, this is why Kermode, in some ways, got booted out. So, On Twitter, uh, I mentioned to Anna that 
uh, Marv Albert had a sexual assault thing that resulted in him losing his uh, NBA broadcasting gig and pretty much any broadcasting gig that he had for some time until he kind of worked his way back. Um, there's not a lot of opportunities for a, a tennis commentator to work their way back through other tennis media. I mean, it really just is Tennis Channel and ESPN. So he's certainly not going to hook up with ESPN. And if the Tennis Channel cans him, then he's, you know, he's pretty much out of it. There's no place for him. So if there's a thought that they could rehabilitate him enough to get him back on the air, they probably are considering that because he's effectively finished if they fire him. Finished as, as in terms of finished as being part of tennis? Yeah, as, as a part of tennis broadcasting because there, there isn't really any other tennis broadcasting happening. No, and he's, he's an American. I mean, there's the, the ATP does, um, like all those guys, the, the tennis TV people, Robbie Koenig and, and Nick Lester and et cetera. I think they're employed by the ATP. Um, but why, again, why would they hire Gimbalstock? Yeah, they wouldn't. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much it for English language. He's not going to go to start working for the BBC either. No, he, he's left with pretty much nothing except maybe um, he could go work on Matt Lauer's farm or something with him, with one of the other canceleds. <laughs> but I mean, in this case, right, why, first of all, why should we care? Like, why would anyone who's, who's, who's heard what's happened, you know, and, and understand the incident and, and all the other things, this is, let's not forget, this is not the only thing that Gimmelstab has done. Right. Um, this is the only thing that he's actually been, well, not even entirely charged for. The, the only thing that he's admitted to, let's say. But there's been a lot of stuff. So first of all, why would we even care? And, and second of all, like, this is kind of, this is where a lot of people will say, like, this becomes to the sort of white privilege thing. Like, he's going to lose, this is, his life is over. Well, his life isn't over. He's not even going to jail. He's already rich. He can probably start up Justin Gimbelstab Tennis Academy, and people will go to it. Oh, man. He probably could, right? Yeah, he probably could. I don't care. I was trying to approach it from the point of view of Tennis Channel and from people that actually like the guy. I'm guessing if they didn't like him, he would have already been fired. So I'm assuming that that they do like him there. Um, Otherwise, I mean, it would be a golden opportunity to get rid of his dumb ass. But we just have to wait. And I I mean, I hope they do the right thing because the whole thing is taking way too long for me. So does anybody, I mean, again, this is just speculation, but does anybody have a feeling like is Tennis Channel going to wait for the ATP decision? Or has there been enough bad press now that they'll probably just quietly dump him? Uh, I don't know. You lose the impact of the firing if you, when you wait so long. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they won't fire him. Maybe. Even if he gets voted off the board? Is he on the board or the council? I get, I get these confused. He's a he is. I I have an explanation, but that was this. That was part two. But he is on the board of directors. <laughs> That's so pathetic. What does a board of directors mean in the context of? There's sort of two bodies. So there's the players' council, and the players' council has twelve members. There's like six from the top fifty, and then two from the 
top 100, two at large, one that's a coach or something. How many are we at now? There's the president and, you know, the, the, whatever. There's 12 members in total. I'm not even sure what the president's special powers are other than they speak for the council or they conduct the meetings or something. But they all have the same votes. But their votes don't determine what the ATP does. Their votes determine who are the player representatives on the board of directors. So that's two people. One from the Americas being Mr. Justin Gimbelstab and one from the European region, Alex Inglot, who's the brother of Devils player Dom Inglot. And the board of directors, which includes the president, has six members. But the board of directors also votes on who's the president. Why is there a representative from the Americas and from Europe? That seems strange. It's because the ATP itself is seen as sort of made up of these regions. So there's like Americas, Europe, and then basically the rest of the world kind of thing. But the rest of the world thing only seems to matter for the tournament. So there's three player, two player representatives and then three tournament representatives. So you have Americas, European, and international. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, Kermode himself is the executive chairman and president, okay? But because that's located in London, that's seen as the European region, there's also a CEO of the Americas, a guy named Mark Young. Anybody heard of that guy? No. No. Me neither. David Massey, CEO of Europe. CEO of Europe. Yeah, CEO of Europe. And Alison Lee, uh, who leads the international group. I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that we have an American, a Brit, and an Australian. To tell you another thing about how these things work, the three that I mentioned, the CEOs, don't seem to vote on the board. And Phil might know a little bit more about corporate governance than, than, well, or maybe Matt does, since you're a president. That's how it works. So... This board of directors is the one that votes on things. So the Players' Council just vote for the player representatives. So what they can do is vote to get rid of Gimmelstov as their representative. I think they will. I think so. I think he's definitely going to lose that position. Because even Pospisil, um, who came out initially, because I, I think the, the, there seems to be a lot of rumor that Gimmelstov was, was spearheading a lot of this stuff. The sort of getting more, getting the tournaments out of the thing and getting the players more involved. So Pospisil was on board with that. So he initially came out and said, you know, he, I don't know if he said he supported Gimbalsop exactly, but he said he, he hadn't made a decision yet or something. Um, and then he actually read the, um, what would we call that? The witness impact statement. The witness impact statement. Then he, he had read it. He apparently didn't know it he didn't know that that was a document, and he backed off. Like he, he kind of said he changed his mind. So if that was the most vocal supporter and he's backing off, you know, that's, that's probably telling. I was wondering about Brad in that position. So do we think, do we think if, there's, if there's a vacancy that Brad Gilbert is the, the right one to... Uh... Oh, shit, we lost somebody. You guys gone? All right, so, yeah, I was talking about BG before we got somehow uh, interrupted here. Somehow. Which apparently both of you know why, and I don't. But I'm, I'm cool with it because I'm a nice guy. Boy, I wish you would turn that camera on. Hey, Phil, angle that what? microphone more towards you, like the front of it. Oh, for fuck's sake. You know what I'm talking about? It's like kind of pointing to the side. 
pointing to the side? Yeah, it's like pointing at an angle. Like point it directly towards your mouth. Hello? I don't know what he's doing. Phil. Well, it says he's there. Yeah, but I don't I don't hear him or see him. Hmm. Disgusting scenes. <laughs> Did he disconnect his mic? Well, sometimes the USB, th- you know, can like all right, Phil, just leave and come back like you did before. Aha. Now he's green. Hello? Yeah, he's green green for me too. Yeah, you're good. No, but you guys aren't coming through my headphones. Oh yeah, it's using your internal mic. I can see it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but this sounds fine, what you're doing. In that case, can I plug into my Bluetooth and take these headphones off? I give it my best shot. Yeah, no, you're fine. You you can you can even just do exactly what you're doing. Can you, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Yeah, it sounds fine. Don't worry about it. BG take three. I love BG. I mean, I don't know how he would be as a leader. Do you think he would get the votes? Well, that's the thing. There's 12 of them, and they, they probably do like BG. So, okay, this is sort of the, the key thing out of this, is that this is an important position. This is a much more important position than being, say, president of the Players' Council. This is like a deciding vote on the things that the ATP does. Personally, I can't, I just can't imagine BG being good at this kind of thing. But what what do I know? Maybe maybe it's just his tweeting. Do you think you'd have to do a lot of writing in this position? Because that might get a little dicey. Uh, I don't, I have no idea. Like, that's the thing is we don't, we don't really know what this board of directors does according to that Puff profile on Gimbalstoff that came out the the day he was he entered his plea. He was a very hardworking guy. One of the things before Gimbalstoff even beat someone up, it was always seen as a big co- uh, conflict of interest because he was he was coaching Isner, he was working for as a broadcaster, he was doing all these things. So it was like tennis and all their internal conflicts of interest. And we have one of the people running for this being being Brad Gilbert who works for ESPN. I'm going under the assumption that he would not be giving that up, right? Right, and here's the thing about conflict of interest, though. Conflict of interest happens when when it's not disclosed. If everyone's aware of all this stuff, then it's not really a conflict of interest. It certainly appears that way to us, but when, when all the cards are on the table, it's actually not technically a conflict of interest. People know all this stuff going in. What? I don't think that's true. Technically, that's true. If you want someone on your board and they're giving you a deal on some contracting or something that they're doing for you, if that if the board knows about it and it's all on the table and it's all documented what before they're voted in, it's not really a conflict. Everyone knows the relationship. It's only a, a conflict if they get on the board to further their other relationship with you without disclosing it. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just not sure that always that always applies that way. There are situations where you're supposed to be independent in fact and appearance. I guess in this case, it would be neither. It would be non-independent, but with transparency about the lack of independence. But... I, I, I don't know about conflict of interest as a general term, but I, I don't think that transparency means that the conflict of interest is therefore gone. I, I don't think it works that way. In my experience, it it does so long as they're never 
a voting member on something that directly impacts the transparent thing that they've disclosed. Like, for example, I don't, I don't know the politics of this player's council, but if something were to come up about Isner and he's his coach and he's on the council, I would think they would ask him to step out if there was any voting that had an impact on someone that he was known to be working with. Right. But, but that sounds, but that sounds like it's because of the, the substance of what, of what they're able to do and their relationship. So, so someone could have a voting right and be affiliated with Isner and be voting on something that somehow impacts Isner, even if he were, even if he disclosed his relationship with Isner and he said he would be objective if he would and should still be not allowed to vote on matters that impact Isner. Yeah, to avoid the actual conflict of interest, I think that that would be how that is supposed to go. So are you saying that the transparency avoids the issue because as long as everyone knows, then it will stop people from being able to act in a, in a conflicting matter? Yes. Oh. That's actually what I'm getting at. That's oh, Now, the, the other part of this is when there is a vote, say he wasn't on the council and they were voting on Justin now and he discloses all this stuff. I'm a tennis channel commentator and I used to coach Isner and I would like to coach other players down the road. I don't have anyone currently, but that's something on my horizon. It might be safer for the board just to be like, ugh, that's going to look bad. We don't really want to have that appearance of a conflict of interest to the public or to the other players. So we're just not going to go down that road. And that would be the time to not vote him on. Hmm. But if, as long as it's all on the table and you vote him in, a lot of conflict of interest policies would say that, that it's cool. They just can't vote on things that would directly benefit themselves or their client. It just seems like it's either there's too small of a pool or it's just, there's no, there's no creativity in thinking that there's no like, well, for one thing, it's the America's representative. So just thinking about this, Valverdu is British. Is he trying to be the representative for Europe then? Or are they voting both of them? This is just complicated. Why do conflicts of interest matter that much in situations like this? I, I, mean, I don't I mean, know. It would be a conflict of interest if a tournament director were in business with a player. And people complain about that with, with Federer. And people complain that the conflict of interest that an ATP employee, Craig O'Shaughnessy or whatever, is collaborating with Djokovic because he might have proprietary information that he's only sharing with Djokovic. I, I see conflicts of interest as problematic when they can help certain players win. But but I mean, you know, th- this is the board of the ATP. They're not, they're not setting compensation or anything. I, I don't really see where there could be meaningful conflicts here. Well, I mean, that's that does seem to be the question. Say, well, let's go outside of Gimbal style. Let's not even talk about him. When you've got, when Lindsay Davenport was coaching Madison Keys, and then she's giving commentary on Madison Keys, there were definitely people that were upset, you know, that commentators would be coaching a player, et cetera. I don't know. Why? I mean, they might show, like, favoritism in their commentary. That's fair, I guess. But, I mean, that's not a very important problem. Like a, a commentator, if if they were like prone to be more complimentary to one player, as long as they're not having an impact on the match. I mean, I mean, Mary Carillo 
Gibbs is seemingly in business with Federer, except Carol Bouchard. Everyone except Carol is in business with Federer. And so when they commentate, they show a bias towards him. I mean, that's tennis as we know it. I, I don't like it. It's annoying, but it's not hurting anyone else from, from winning matches. So, you know, whatever. Just mute them. Put some music on. <laughs> I feel like we've pretty much exhausted this. I, I mean, the other podcasts are going to do a much better job destroying Gimmelstab than, than we have the energy for. So that's not why people tune into us. Well, also, they tune, I mean, they tune into us for the skits, and we don't have any today. <laughs> No one's going to come out for gimbal stuff. And I, I will say for a reason as well, right? It's not like that people are scared to come out for him. No, he's just at best a violent thug. At best. I was going to say that what is he at worst? <laughs> His character is the same at best and worst. Mm. Revolting. Yeah. Off the Mets. So shit. Sorry. <laughs> That's staying in. I know. Matt got his wish. We've taken all the sass out of the podcast and turned this into a very measured discussion with very little facts <laughs> and a lot of speculation. Which was not my wish. <laughs> Let's get back to, to lighter topics where we can bring the sass back in. Sass over substance. I think it's too late for sass. We've got more topics here. We've got Is Medvedev the next number one? That that. That yeah. man, that was looking much better when he was up 3-0 in the first than right after. I, I, saw, I saw an odd tweet during the Nadal team match that's, that was complaining that that team was grunting like Novak. And I, I, I found that somewhat odd that a, that a Nadal fan would, would make that complaint. Is, is there something about Novak's grunting that's seen as, as like a gamesmanship? stunt or, or something is is that a thing is that one of the many things um it just means that nadal is losing wait what which she usually is now but let, i can <laughs> find it probably let me see i like teams grunt yeah actually i, I do as well I, I, it, it sounds like the way he hits the ball <laughs> yeah you ever notice with nadal's grunt that he truncates it if if the ball goes into the net <laughs> <laughs> he'll be like ah. Uh, uh. Like after he nets it, the grunt stops immediately. Well, Azarenka will kind of do that as well, but it's like different if she screws up. So it's like, ooh, ooh, woo! Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that with her too. Yeah, okay, I, I found the tweet. Rafa fighting like there is no tomorrow against a fucking crazy good Dom who grunts like Novak. Hashtag summary. And then some replies. Ugh, he's still doing that. Double eye roll emoji. Another accurate. Another. It's worse on TV than live. Then spelled T H E N. And then another. Wow, exactly. So, so this isn't some one-off, you know, thing. This has four affirmative responses, along with three retweets and twenty-two likes. What the fuck is wrong with Dami and Novak's grunts? Nothing. You need to do some homework here, and and for. When you're patching this together and play the grunts side by side, yeah, mm. yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a really good idea. I don't know if I have the the energy for all that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's something. Maybe it's next time. <laughs> next time we'll open with that. I promise. Like my abandoned uh, Federer gag. Oh well. Oh shit! That's right. I never produced that. 
It's too bad Phil can't see me right now. Or maybe he could. Because I'm putting my nose right on the microphone like Rafa. Oh, yeah, I see it. Gross. <laughs> I can't do it with mine because I don't have a... Uh, what is that stupid thing called? No, you can Pop do it. filter. Do it. Not, the thing is in the way. Oh, you look just like Rafa. Ugh. I'm trying to make him the doll face. <laughs> it's so pleasant doing this with my uh, with my Bluetooth speakers. So now with this new format, I never have to use headphones anymore. No, that's not what anyone said. I just, for the sake of finishing what we started, I think it sounds fine. But you could probably even use the internal microphone just as long as you had the headphones. Okay. What else you got, Matt? I got Hugo in the room. I can bring Hugo in. Oh, that that would be a good bit. Hugo, come say something. Say something about Nadal. Oh, yes. Hey, what's up, Hugo? Say Rafa. Rafa. <laughs> that is beautiful. Ah, uh, that humanizes Rafa. And he can talk. You can't talk. Why? Why what? Why can he not talk? I can talk. Why can I not talk on the microphone? I, I was talking on the microphone. Oh, there's Tiffany. Oh, I forgot the... I forgot the camera was on. Hey, Tiffany. <laughs> Medvedev likes rhythm. Ergo, don't give it to him. Sun Tzu Tennis. Tweets by Matt Zemeck. <laughs> now we're reading Zemeck tweets. We're not. This isn't. This will not be. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me find a few more. Too many retweets on Zemeck. We tweets. Oh, a retweet of second serve hack. Medvedev what? is a 78% winning record as of almost May. That's an elite percentage, but he has played some smaller tournaments. That is an elite percentage, right? Yes. Like, that's a lot of matches he's played so far. To be at 78, well, it's a little lower than that now, but still like mid-high 70s, that's not your everyday tennis player. Right. That, that's 18 for, for context, just to take you know any old example, that's 18% higher than Dimitrov. So that's an extra one win in five matches over Dimitrov, just to compare it you know, to Dimitrov. Generation Daniel. Generation Daniel. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing is he does, he has this tendency to, to lay an egg, which he definitely did today for who knows whatever reason. Um, but he also seems to be able to beat anyone except Federer, sadly. Yeah. Well, Federer is a really, really bad matchup for him because he hates slice and variety. I mean, he, even Team was able to slice him up today with his sliced backhand. And that's team. He's the second best dirt baller in the world. Maybe team is is the answer. To what question? I don't know, but maybe he's the answer. The best Austrian tennis player named Dominic on clay. Yes. (laughs) Petra Petra Martic won Istanbul. Is that right? I hope that's right. Um, But it was her first ever tournament win... She seems like a player that just came out, but she's actually been around for a really long time and had been injured. So we will, at the very least, give Petra Martic a shout-out. Congratulations, Petra. We salute you. And so that's her first title. Someone who won... Oh, what is it now? 
the bigger title in Stuttgart, which we seem to talk about quite often. I don't know why we're always talking about Stuttgart, but this is the WTA oh. tournament. Um, Petra Kvitova wins again. She's the leading winner on the tour, and this is... Now I'm trying to figure this out. What? How many titles is it for her now? It's like a crazy amount for someone who most people would describe as erratic and inconsistent. 27 career titles. Damn. For Petra Kvitova. Because how many did Ferrer like, retire, is retiring with? Didn't he have like 35 or something? Well, I couldn't tell you. And a lot of those are, um, you know, what people would describe as, as vultured, i.e. he was the highest ranked player in the tournament, so he won them. But whatever, he's got a lot of titles. And so for Petra Kvitova, who isn't 30, she's like 28, to have 27 titles is, is kind of crazy, actually. But that's all I got. That's What, what, do, what do we actually cover today between malfunctions? The obligatory condemnation of Gimmelstab and, and an explanation of the ATP board? Yeah. Some good Zemek tweets. Yeah, it's an episode. Not our best. Got that right. You have to see Corey's face. Did you see that, Phil? Because he's been sitting there with this serious, like, tennis-watching face the whole time. And then yeah. like, he was queuing up that line. And just like, got that right. <laughs> yeah, every, every time I put on the screen, it was Corey looking really scared or scary. That's what I do. Peace, guys. Oh, fucking that further weird. God damn it.